Well, good morning, Goeiemoere. It's a real blessing to be here. And I just want to tell you that none of this can happen if we don't have what we call T-E-A-M. It's a team. And we've got amazing people in the team. You see some of you this morning. It's not dependent on one person. It's dependent on this team and be closely knitted to the Lord. So this morning I'm going to speak to you on wisdom. And that's our theme for the month in the church. And I just want to open with this scripture. It's in James 1 verse 5. Many of you know it. If any of you lack wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Another version says it like this. Dear brothers and sisters, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God. And he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for it. Isn't that awesome? He will just give it to us if we ask for it. Uh, further in James 3 verse 18, uh, 13, it says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. So even in our giving, there's underlying a wisdom factor. And this morning, I want to speak to you a little bit about that. My first question is, what is wisdom? So, if you think about wisdom, how will you define it? So, the dictionary says, wisdom is the ability to think and act using knowledge, experience, understanding, common sense, and insight. A lot of things you can use in wisdom. Wisdom is associated with attributes such as compassion, self-knowledge, and virtues such as ethics and benevolence. So there's many things that make up this word wisdom. Why do we need wisdom? That's a question that we need to ask ourselves. You know that the damage of sin in this world is shame. It brought about shame in the world. God's wisdom in others and the presence of God is the only way we can address the shame and that we can take people and help them into a state of healing and where the damage can be dealt with. So that's why we need wisdom. With godly wisdom, this is the second point, we equip and bless and bring deliverance and healing to the oppressed. So wisdom is actually not just for yourself. It's for you to work, to bless, to help others. That's why we are here. The third thing, God's wisdom in us is not to make us look good, make us look wise, make us look smart. That's not what it's about. Again, it's for the healing, the deliverance, the setting free of others, the supporting of other people. So all the time we're hearing this other, other, other. And that's what God is all about. He is about us and he's about our well-being. And that is such an awesome thought. So he does not want us to become self-focused about our wisdom and how we're going to apply our wisdom, but to use it for his glory. I'm going to read you some of the attributes, just chat with you about some of the attributes of wisdom. 
what does wisdom actually look like? So, the wise know that there is folly in every man. Folly means foolishness in every man. The wise know that. The person who thinks they've got no foolishness inside of them is not wise because we are human beings on earth and therefore we do have folly. We do have foolishness. But we know about it and we work with it. The wise are polite. The wise want things to go well. So sometimes we'll have a difference of opinion when we're wise, but we'd rather keep our opinion to ourselves because we know that it's not going to be for the better of the, of the group or the team. Then the Bible is so, so much wisdom. It says, slow to anger. So a wise person is slow to anger. Another thing, a wise person is ready to forgive. We can pick up offenses so easily. We all do. But the wise person is the one who's quick to forgive. The wise person appreciates that there's pressure around. They appreciate that other people are under pressure. And they look at it through those eyes. A wise person understands that many times when people lash out at you, they are actually hurting. And it's an opportunity for us to move in, in wisdom, to bring healing. A wise person is resilient. A wise person bounces back. You do not lie down. You do not, you bounce back. Why? Because your wisdom lies in God, not in yourself. And I'm going to come to that point. The wise cannot afford to carry extra baggage. So forgiveness is imminent. You cannot carry the baggage of unforgiveness. Unwise people draw wide boundaries because they rely on a lot of things. I'll give you an example. Money, popularity, relationships, health, looks. So if you put a fence around these people, they make this fence very wide to accommodate all these things that they need to make them tick. A wise person draws a very, very small fence. And in that fence are things like relationships, and that includes your relationship with God, your basics, food, shelter, clothing, just basics. Not this wide thing, because the wider that thing is that you rely on, the more you're going to get disappointed. So you draw your fence very close. A wise person does not have time to envy others. There isn't time for that. Because God has given you your talents. He's made you who you are. And they can look at other people having more than them and just accept it because they are wise in knowing what that God knows what's good for them. You know, we don't, life is so short, we can't just live in regrets. And a wise person does not live in regrets. You take your stumbling blocks and you make them stepping stones to the next level, but you cannot uh, live and sit in regret because that's going to pull you down. So, um, when we think of regrets, you know, nobody's perfect. So, we're, gonna, we're striving for perfection, but perfection lies in our God and not in us. One day, we'll see perfection, but not on this earth. 
But there's a big promise in the word while we're here. 2 Corinthians 5.17, you all know that scripture. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. All things pass away. The new has come. There is something new. It's not the perfect. It's something new because we're striving for perfection. The wise person walks in this. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. An open invitation. So when we walk in wisdom, we walk in that. It's wisdom to ask, what is at the core of your design, your being? What is at the core of yourself? And at the core of you, have you placed the master of the universe there? That's wisdom. Because if he's not at the core of your, of your being, of your design, it's going to be a very hard and rocky road for you. So the difference between godly wisdom and human wisdom Human wisdom makes so much sense, okay? Um, we know where we're going. We change with the culture. We change with whatever people expect around us. That's human wisdom. But God's wisdom doesn't always make sense because his way are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. So it doesn't make sense. give you a few examples. Um, let's look at a few people in the Bible. Abraham. Abraham didn't make sense. Here he was, woom, 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 praying to his little idols, and this God of the universe speaks to him and says to him, Abraham, get up, go, I've called you. Take your whole family. Come on, pack up your pen, tents. He listens. Doesn't make sense. But he found the true God by obedience. He packed up his tent, he packed up his family, he went to this country that God promised him. Abraham. Let's look at Moses. You all know the story of Moses. Here he stands at the Red Sea. The Egyptians are behind him. The people are complaining. Everybody's panicking. And what does he do? He takes his big staff and he stretches it out and the water opens up. And they walk through on dry ground. Saw a movie the other day where they were struggling to walk through because there was mud. My Bible says it was dry ground, and I believe my God had them on dry ground walking through to the other side. Does it make sense? No, it doesn't. But he acted in wisdom, God's wisdom, and they got through to the other side. Then you find Joshua. Yeah, they march. So Joshua's marching. He says, okay, guys, we're going to take Jericho. This is a fortified city. You can't get in. They've got these high walls. So how are we going to do this? So what does he say? He says, right, we're going to march around once every day. On the seventh day, we're going to march seven times. We're going to take our ram's horns. We're going to blow them, and we're going to make a big noise. And they're looking at him. Walk, blow, scream. They've got arrows and everything up there. What, what do we take? Do we take arrows? Do we take shields? No. We just walk. That's what they did. And in the first day when they walked around, I'm sure people were scoffing and laughing at them. But they weren't a threat because they didn't have any weapons, so they were left to walk. Second day, third day, fourth day, till the seventh day. And by then, I'm sure the people in Jericho didn't even take notice anymore. 
because they're just walking around the city. But on the seventh day is when God came through. But Joshua walked in obedience and in wisdom. He didn't say to them, okay, well, I think you're tired today. We'll just go three times. He went seven times because God said seven. They lifted the horns. They shouted because God said that. They walked in God's wisdom. I love the story of Peter because, um, you know, Peter just went in where angels fear to tread and he sometimes put his foot in his mouth and all those things. And, and I'm very much sometimes like that. So I, I can relate to Peter. So Peter's in this boat and this big storm comes up. So Jesus says to him, okay, Peter, it's me. Come, walk on the water. So he says, okay, God, if it's really you, I'm going to get out. I'm going to walk to you. So he does that. Then he gets scared. He sees the reality. God doesn't leave him there. God takes him and he lifts him up. Peter walked because he walked in God's wisdom, not his own wisdom. The other disciples in the boat could have also gotten out and given it a try, but they preferred to stay where it's, where it's easy. And sometimes God stretches us in his wisdom beyond our boundaries where we feel it's easy where we feel comfortable. Let's look at the New Testament with Jesus' birth. doesn't make sense. The king of kings is born in a stable. The king of kings, okay, is born in a stable. Why? In God's wisdom, he did that. In God's wisdom, he did that. And in this big design of God drawing all men to himself, he did that. And then, this God of the universe, Jesus Christ nailed to a cross to pay for the people's sins? Shouldn't we as people come to the gods and sacrifice to them because of our sins? No, this is different because it's God's wisdom. God's wisdom confounds the wise. We can't understand it. We can't get there. It's foolishness. Um, man's wisdom and God's, man's utter wisdom, it's God's beginning if there's foolishness in God. So God is way beyond anything. That's why we need God's wisdom. My paper's got all wet, but that's fine. <laughs> okay. So I just want to, I'm almost coming to the end of my word, but I just want to encourage you that we have to be very careful what wisdom do we listen to? Do we listen to voices that tell us stuff that we think is wisdom, but in the meantime, it's not from God's word? I'm going to use a few examples. We love using the term, God helps those who help themselves. It's not in the Bible. And I've used it many, many times. But to the contrary, God helps those who admit in humility that they need him. Paul states, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power can rest in me. So, God won't, the other thing that we use is, God won't give you more than you can, than you can handle. Not true. The word says, he won't give you more than what you can bear. Not more than what you can handle. Sometimes it is more than what we can handle. 
if we look at what happened here in George with the fires and everything else, it's more than what we can handle. Okay? But if we turn to him, we can turn to Philippians 4 verse 13 and say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm not going to go down. I'm not going to go under. I'm going to walk in that. I just want to throw a little testimony in here. Um, yesterday, uh, uh, Philip was, was sick. He was really sick. And um, I got up in the morning and I made my bed. And as I lifted the duvet, my back and hip just locked up that I couldn't move. I was like, I couldn't move. I didn't know, oh, Lord, what do I do now? I can't even get to my husband. Stopped at the physiotherapist. It just went from bad to worse, from bad to worse. And then last night it settled down. And this morning when I came, I said, Lord, I can't do this. And um, I sat on that chair there. And one of my kids came over and prayed with me. I first had my shoes off. I've got my shoes back on. God did it. God in his wisdom did it because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So if you want to know, yes, there was a healing in the house this morning. And I am telling you it's true. There's another one that we say. We say, we are all God's children. Okay, so it sounds good. And yes, we've all been created in his image. But Romans 8 verse 9 clearly says to us, If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. So that's the difference. You're made in his image, but you do not have his Spirit. Then you're not his child. So I'm asking you, if you're not his child, make sure you're his child. Because he's given that to us. Romans 8.15 says that we received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. Only when we cry out and ask him, then God adopts us. We say God works, these are all man's wisdom, God works in mysterious ways. He does work in mysterious ways, but Jeremiah 33 verse 3 says, Call unto me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things that you don't even know of. That's what he says. So, mysterious, sure. But he will show us because that's his promise. That's God's promise to us. Then, we make very unwise decisions sometimes in our humanity. But there we have answers in this word. I want to really encourage you. This word is so rich. This word has so much to offer. Everything you're struggling with is in the word. It takes to dig. Sometimes we despair, but it is there. And if we stay on our knees and we stay before God, he will come through. He will have answers. He will give us the wisdom to handle situations. He will give us the answers how to handle our children. He will give us the answers how to handle family matters. He will. If we stay faithful and if we go to the true source of wisdom, there's only one true source of wisdom, and that's God. We're not the source of wisdom. We can ask for wisdom, but we're not the source of wisdom. So wisdom is a gift from God. And God does not want to withhold any of his gift from any of his children. So I want to encourage you. Ask him. 
Ask him for his wisdom. Seek his wisdom. Go into it. Go before God. Tell him your needs. Then Proverbs 3 verse, 30, 3 verse 7 says, Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. So there is there's a condition to that. You can't just ask God for wisdom. He's put a condition in there. Fear the Lord, shun evil. We cannot, and I want you to hear me this, uh, this morning, we cannot serve two masters. There is no room for that. That in itself, the word says that where there's two masters, a house is divided. You can't divide your house. You've got to be true to God, true to him, true to his calling. Wisdom is the capacity to look at decisions through the eyes of God before you make them. That's wisdom. To look at decisions with the capacity to look through the eyes of God. The only way, again, is if coming back to the word of God. And in closing, I just want us to remember a few things. God is omniscient. He is everywhere. He is in us. He is around us. He is. He knows it all. He's omnipotent. He's there. He calls us. But we've got to respond. Then, because he knows everything, nothing shocks him. So nothing you do, nothing you say, nothing that goes wrong shocks him. He knows it. He knew it. Because he created you. The world comes with wisdom, and they think, this is it. I've made it. I've found this. This is the, the, the latest development. What happens then? Somebody else comes and says, yes, but. So that wisdom is out the door because there's a but. Only God's wisdom has no but something else. His wisdom stands. His wisdom has stood through the ages and will stand. You can choose today. You can throw off all restraints. You can go places, do foolish things, ignore the voice of the Holy Spirit, walk over, become selfish, become ambitious in yourself, boast about everything you have, boast about your talents. You can do that because God gives you a free will. In his wisdom, he's given us a free will. You have to choose He's not choosing for you. He chose you because he died for you, but you have to choose him. Then, we don't want to talk about hell. We don't want to talk about going there. But you know what? If you choose this way, you are fast-tracking there. There is nothing else that I can tell you. You are fast-tracking to a lost eternity if that's your choice. The most tragic thing for me that can happen to any person is to have the choice to choose, but not to choose God's wisdom and to die without Christ. That to me is the biggest tragedy in the whole world that can happen to any human being. 
And the choice we make now has eternal consequences. Once you're gone, you can't change the course of things now. That's why God calls us to a wisdom now to change the course of our life, change the course of events in our lives through standing on his wisdom. As a Christian, we might not live the best life in the eyes of the world. We might not have riches. We might not have much. We might not be able to drive fancy cars. You know, these things are all going to go up in smoke and ash one day in any case. We might not have that. But if we know that we have lived for God, we know that He's our Savior. We know we've made that choice to accept His wisdom and not man's wisdom. Then we know we've made the choice that's going to give us eternity one day. Eternity with God. So my question is, are you going to live foolishly? Or are you going to live wisely? Are you going to embrace God's wisdom? God's wisdom has a price tag, as I said to you. There are many things you're going to have to just lay down. Because that is what we need to do. We can't serve a holy, righteous God if we carry all this other baggage, a bit of the world, a bit of this, a bit of this with us. We can't do that. So, today, if you choose wisely, you know that you know your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And I'm sure we all want to make that wise choice. Can we pray? Father, this morning we are just so aware that we're standing, every day of our lives we're standing on the brink of eternity because we do not know when our time on this earth is at an end. We come this morning and we just want to ask you, Lord, give us your wisdom. Help us to seek your wisdom. Help us to seek those things that are from above and not the things from below. Help us to walk in righteousness and in upright standing before you. Help us to shed all the things that encumber us that are not from you. And to run this race, Lord, in wisdom and in righteousness. So that your name can be glorified. And we can take people with us on this journey. I pray that every heart here today would be moved to make the choice of leaving the foolish things behind and embracing the wisdom that comes from above. We praise you in Jesus' name.